Welcome to Poetry Spotlight, presented by the Ohio Poetry Association. I am your host, Jeremy Dusak, and with us today is Michelle R. Smith. Michelle is an activist and poet who authored three books, Ariel in Black, The Vagina Analogues, and Facebook 41, a collection of online aphorisms. She is a programming associate at Literary Cleveland and faculty member at Cuyahoga Community College. A highly sought after workshop facilitator and community leader, Michelle founded the Blacks Museum, an annual performance showcase dedicated to honoring notable Black figures in American history and culture. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you like to kick us off with the poem? Sure. Uh, I am going to read the poem that is on my website from my second book, The Vagina Analogues. It is called Girl in a Stolen Evening Gown. It's the analog to Boy in a Stolen Gown by Saeed Jones. In this imperial hothouse, I am a pet butterfly. How I wear the world, sequined him flouncing my way through cobra lilies, sweet lethal blossoms. I pirouette in a cloud of carnivores. Woman who is not yet, woman who is yet not. I fight to undo my antique buttons, peel off the chiffon yoke I am squeezed into. I wiggle my hips free from fashion, my bruised flesh flopping out of my steel corsetry. See me, I am ripping apart this slavish silhouette loosing the wildness I've tucked up under my wig. Watch me slip out of this falseness, leave the dress in its white mess at my feet. I could be a mannequin or I could be the girl wearing nothing at all of theirs, a negligee of my own black skin. Thank you. This, I really like this project because <laughs> this collection I actually meant to talk about this later but we'll, we'll just start with it now this collection you had started it correct me if I'm wrong you had started it as a way to repurpose like chauvinistic and male-centric poems by yeah well, I, I, well, I started I, it sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay so how do I okay so I, I'll tell I'll tell the anecdote and then we'll hop ahead so when I was very, 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 very young, I wrote for the Colin Post and uh, and shout out to my editor. Uh, his name is Chill, Kevin Chill Hurd, who was the arts and entertainment editor at the Colin Post, the historic black newspaper in Cleveland institution. Uh, and I was an intern there. And then my after my first year of, uh, at college, Case Western Reserve, says, so you can see, I'm a Cleveland girl, right? I'm, I'm dropping all these names. <laughs> uh, I was writing there. And he sent me to interview uh, Amir Baraka. And, uh, and actually, it was a phone interview. He And Amir Baraka, I think, was reading at the Cleveland Public Library. And I interviewed him. And Amir Baraka, God rest his soul, revered black poet, but he was really, he was really <laughs> chauvinistic towards me. Uh, he just kept talking about how young black men needed to do this and young black men needed to do this and young black male artists needed to do this. And, and I was really put off by it because I am not a young black male. 
And, uh, but I, but I still felt like, you know, as a young black person, I, you know, I had a role, uh, um, you know, in, in, you know, taking my community forward and, and wanted from that elder, you know, some kind of validation and, you know, some kind of faith and hope and, advice and investment and so it really upset me and at the time i wrote a poem and i and i was still a very young poet and it wasn't a very artful poem and you know i put it to the side but that never left me you know this idea that like you know a lot of times when people think about how my community can be changed how my community can be saved and when people think about the hope for my community and and who who should be preserved and who should be lifted up it's always male <laughs> the heroes are male and the hope is male and let's save the black men you know and um and 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 so it's almost like the black people are black the black people are male and then in feminism the the women you know they're white <laughs> you know, Gloria Steinem and Sylvia Plath and, you know, and so, uh, and, and there's the, the very famous book, uh, you know, um, that the, and oh, and, and oh my God, and we were just chatting and I, and, and I was telling you how my memory is horrific and I'm actually going to go to my bookcase and get the book so I can say it right. All the women are white, all the blacks are men, but some of us are brave. Right. There we go. Uh and and so that 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 sort of ethic, right? Yeah. That in black studies, the women are, you know, sort of decentralized. And in women's studies, the blacks are decentralized. And and the idea, you know, so that's that, you know, the more you study, the more you read, the more you write, you, that sticks with you. And so, yeah, I don't know how it all kind of came together. And then the whole Eve Ensler vagina analogs, but somewhere 10 years ago or so, it all came together. I thought vagina, not monologue, analog. I wrote, and then I took a Mira Baraka poem, of course, because that anecdote, that, that experience stuck. And <laughs> and I and I took his poem and it was the first one that I actually uh and it was the first one it was prefaced to a twenty volume suicide note and I wrote the first analog and I and I saw and, and I analogized that poem and I did it and I was like oh so I turned that poem into a a a, a female poem and I was like oh wow that's awesome. <laughs> and then I did it again and then I did it again and you know and so the and so you know and so it at first it wasn't it wasn't a book idea it was just a cool thing that I was just kind of doing for fun because I, I never I never got an MFA so one of the things that I would do along the way in order to grow myself was to just like create assignments for myself and that, so that, so that was like one of those things that I would do to just kind of, you know, challenge myself and make myself better. So I was writing these analogs and then I put out my first book. And then after that, I was like, what will my second book be? And I was like, oh, I do have, you know, 15 of these, <laughs> that might be a book. And so, yeah, so that. So that's that's what I did. I, I put them together, and that that became the second book. 
That's awesome. <laughs> I, I really like that story. Um, did did he ever see the poem or know that you did that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just send him a copy. No, I mean because because he because he I mean he is Amir Baraka, you know. So I'm not. I'm enough, you know. I'm enough of a, of a of a black poet and black writer to you know bow at the altar of his greatness. At the very same time that I could be like totally pissed at his, you know, chauvinism. I mean, you, no, 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 no. You know, I, I, you, I, you know, I think it's because that's the thing, right? You have these icons and they are imperfect, right? And and so you have to have the, it's the it's the double, right, of like recognizing their greatness and also recognizing their failures and 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 holding both ideas in your head at the same time. Sure. Um, you know, I I can't say that he isn't to be studied and he isn't to be respected for what he did do and who he was. But that but that thing did happen and and did affect me and and so it that it's not that's not untrue and and not insignificant for me you know but i would but i would never like you know require other people to um validate you know, the experience yeah, yeah yeah that's 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 very healthy and it probably says something that's where my mind went to first is like <laughs> no. i also just i also just wouldn't want to invite I just wouldn't want to invite all the, you know, all the crap that I would get uh, from others if I did that. I mean, like, so it's, some people might say it's a little bit cowardly, but. How how do you, how did you pick the poems for that collection? Or, or I guess, how did you pick who to write? Was it just, you were, you would come across the poem and be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my exercise for Saturday. <laughs> yep. It, it really was. It, and, 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 and also I have to make the disclaimer that they're not poems that I don't like. They're poems that like the the spirit of them was very distinctly male. Mm-hmm. Not not that the poems were necessarily sexist, just very male or very masculine. And so it, it was really the challenge of taking that and making that, you know, kind of female or feminine. Not because these are to me misogynist poems or poems that are anti-female but it was just like how how, okay it was the work i was like so how are you going to get in there (laughs) i literally picked a cortez uh a cortez harris poem that's called boys like okay so it's called boys yeah and then the poem that i read the site the site jones one it was a poem about a boy in a dress so i was like now it's already it's a boy in a dress so what are you going to do with that (laughs) And so what I made that was rather than it being, it's about a boy embracing his femininity. So I made it about a black girl taking off the sort of white beauty standard. Yeah. And so, so it was, so it it was always about the challenge of it, not necessarily that these poems had a um, sort of a, what am I saying? like a violent politic, right? It, it wasn't that they had like a sexist politic. It was really the spirit of it. And then like the challenge for me, how are you going to flip it? Like, how are you going to change it? But most of them are really poems that I really admire and 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 because, uh, and because that I enjoy and that I thought were beautiful and very skillful. And then it was like, can you do anything with it? And the other thing that 
that I was really trying to do was to make sure that, and I know and anybody who's taught composition will recognize this term. We always tell students, you know, you can't do patchwork plagiarism, which is like, you only change like one word and then you say it's yours. Uh, <laughs> so I also had, I, it was also the challenge of making sure that it, the poem was a new poem, like an entirely new poem and that the, that there were, there were sort of recognizable as the framework of the other poem in a sense, but that it, that it was an entirely new poem. And, and, and I had a friend in order to test that theory, I had a friend, um, she's a very good friend of mine, very smart woman. And her name is Anne and she is a headmistress at uh although is that politically correct head person uh <laughs> uh but she she runs a girl's school in california and we were at university of chicago together and she is a very very smart uh victorianist at, uh she has her master's in english and she is just incredibly well read and i asked her i said will you read these and i didn't expect her to but she read them vis-a-vis -vis the real poem so she hunted down every every source poem and read my poems vis-a-vis -vis. and she assured me she was like oh you did it and i was like yes i was like victory so yeah um so yeah it was it, and it was just such a it was such a beautiful thing for her to do but it was also it it really helped me to feel confident because i I never, uh, I never had the, I was so afraid to do that, to read them side by side all together at once. Uh, so she did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get that because, um, you know, when another writer, when, when one writer elevates another one and said, so, you know, they're paying an homage of some kind, uh, Lynn Emanuel has her poem inside Gertrude Stein. And I love that poem. And it's, not just an homage, but it's an addition, right? Mm -hmm. So like, as you're saying, I'm not trying to like cleanse or correct these poems. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to give them a different perspective. Yeah. While I assume preserving the original, you know, spirit of the poem. Yeah. But just reminding people that there are women who are Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, black people are women. <laughs> there are Black women. You know, like blackness is female too, or femaleness is black too. Just remind people of that because we do lose track of that. And and also give people a view into the complexity of that because I think these, I think people can understand, you know, the complexity of femaleness that the the vulnerable like this incredible vulnerability of being female in a in a patriarchal society right and then the incredible vulnerability of being black in a society that is you know sort of hegemonically white mm -hmm. so imagine combining that right <laughs> and <laughs> and that's and that's a really difficult thing i think for people to get inside of and that's what i think probably the main project of my poetry is to just try to get people to imagine that it's you're both it's 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 one doesn't cancel the other out it's both at the same time and so that's a, that that's the other thing um yeah 
So no, it, it isn't to, it is homage to those poems, but it's also like just, you know, but, but bouncing off of them because it's, I think, I think it, it is important for people because we enter into that space of blackness. It's often in that space of blackness that we lose track of, you know, we get into that space of blackness is presented to us as masculine and it's in that space that we need to remember the women so that's so i you know so that's why i get into that space and that's the space in which i remind you about the women so i get you into the space of that male poem and then i remind you rather than to just write a poem as a woman which you could very easily you know just push out of the way you know a lot of times if 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 i just kind of present myself as this black woman writing a black woman poem if that's not necessarily your your you know your kink then you just kind of like i don't want to read that yeah <laughs> but but i make sure that the male the male poem is in the title and that might be the thing that draws you into this poem and then oh i tr and now you're reading about not one poem <laughs> so that's awesome yeah and I, you know, and it, it, it's, it, it's one of those things that you have to go out and almost search for, right? Because I remember, I'll never forget being in college and I had a good, really good history professor and he was talking about the suffrage mo movement and he started talking about interpolitical stuff and how, you know, you know, black women were shoved to the side and he he yeah. had us like read letters and stuff and it blew my mind because it never yes. occurred to me i'd read about the suffrage movement probably six seven times all the way through middle school and high school never came up and it's it became it blew open a hole that was the thing that made me say holy crap there's a lot here that i don't know about and don't yeah. get and it's kind of hard to even have those conversations with other people because they'll just they think you're talking about some alternate reality, but no, it's, it's just another side of other things that also happened that we do yeah. know about. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the debate that we're having now in our country about, you know, how do we want to teach history? And it's like, do we want to teach history in its full complexity or do we want to teach history in a, in a, in a simplified way that makes our ancestors look like um, you know, much more virtuous people than they actually were and, and over, you know, and, and makes the country look like a much sort of more virtuous sort of thing than it actually is. And, you know, and by doing that, you, I mean, first of all, you give a completely unrealistic idea of what human beings are, which I think is a completely unhealthy thing to do to kids because then they try to live up to these ideals that give them an incredible amount of shame about who they are and what they are. So whenever they have just plain old human thoughts of doing things that are less than saintly, then they're like, what's wrong with me? Because George Washington never did, you know, that part. And then the other thing is when you do that, you, you know, you erase explanations of like why people of color or people who are different ended up in the situations that they're in and you make it easy for people to believe that these people have earned 
<laughs> a lot of the things that happened to them rather than no, they were put in these places by very specific processes and the decisions of lawmakers. And, you know, uh, so, yeah. And, and so, like you said, you know, the suffrage movement, it was like, you know, we will give you, you know, if you, you know, dispense of, of you know, we can liberate women, but we're not liberating, you know, slaves. It's like, what are, it's one or the other. We're not, you know, so if you get rid of that part, we'll give you this. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, and, 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 and often those are the kinds of deals that are made. And, um, you know, and you, and people don't realize Sojourner Truth was, you know, a very in, integral, you know, was right there until she wasn't. And ain't I a woman is this very, you know, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a abolitionist speech. <laughs> you know, she wasn't fighting for the rights of slaves. She was fighting for the, it was the, it was at a suffragist convention. And so, you know, but I think, you know, my, I have always, I was raised in a family of women. My great grandmother uh, was a migrant. She came to Cleveland from Alabama with her husband and her daughter, my grandmother, whose birthday is today. Oh, so, happy <laughs> so, well, heavenly birthday. Uh, uh -huh. But yes, yes, Wilma Valentine, uh, who uh, always gave me books and always told me that I was the smartest and the best and the most capable girl in the whole wide world. And uh, I love her. And, uh, but they came up from Alabama and she got divorced at a time when she was born in 1915 and got divorced at a time when people didn't get divorced and refused to have more than one kid at a time where most women had as many kids as, you know. And then my grandmother was this tiny, fierce woman who got married at 15 and had three kids by 21 and had this, you know, got this government job and worked for the IRS and raised her daughters to go to college and, you know, and 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 gave us books and, and was tough on us and got us all educated. and. And then my mom had two daughters, me and my sister, and we both have graduate degrees and went to school and worked at 16. And, uh, you know, and then I have a daughter and, 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 and my two aunts, my mom's sisters never married, never had kids. I was raised by all women. And so I was in this world of women who took care of themselves and, and, you know, had their own homes and had their own cars and had jobs and they were beautiful and they were brown and they were capable and they took care of each other and they loved each other. And they had senses of humor and they were and they were smart and they were stylish and they were gorgeous and and they were complicated. And 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 so that is the sensibility out of which I write. And so what you get in, in what I write is the will to make people see that when they look at black women, you know, um, to make people understand that that's what we are. And we're not, you know, whatever negative stereotypes that people put out and, 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 and whatever, you know, however determined people are to see us as anything less than that, uh, or whatever ugly effigy of that people are determined to make us into, I'm, no. <laughs> you know, uh, just very adamantly, no. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, so I, the, uh, you know, the I first book. Swatting somebody on the nose with the rolled up newspaper. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> and so Ariel in Black is is 
one, you know, one talking back to that. And then the vagina analogs is another talking back to that. And then in, 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 in between those like very specific projects are just poems that I write that, you know, talk in and out of that in, in other ways. Cause I do just write poems, you know, but those, the books are really specific projects, like really, really specific projects that do it in a really like, kind of structured like uh you know way yeah yeah oh that's cool you you have this amazing multi-dimensional perspective on things and and i noticed it first not in your poems but actually on your website because you have a list on the front page you know i'm a mother and a writer and an author and you know all these things goes down the list and then i started noticing in your poetry and then the projects themselves have these you know, do you see everything with that layered complexity? And do you, is it, is it something that's born out of poetry or do you think that they're symbiotic or, or do you think that's part of your personality or do you think that's part of this upbringing with the women in your life and, or probably all of the above, you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing stuff at you. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it is, um, I think it is the women in my life. I think it is the way I was raised and who I was raised by because like my mom was, um, she worked and she went to grad school when I was coming up. Um, so she was a student and she was a mother and she was a wife and she was, a yeah, so she was a marketing exec, a grad student, a mom, uh, a wife, a sister, and a daughter. All at once. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, a lot. And, you know, <laughs> and then my grandmother was a grandmother, and she was a mother, and she was a government employee, and she and and then in, in a friend, my because my grandmother was very social, so she was like a friend, like she always was on the phone. Like my picture of my grandmother is like she had this like wall mounted. Cause this is, this is in the eighties. So it was a phone with a wire, with the curly, like yeah. on, it was, and it was olive green. So she'd be on the phone with her and it was olive green and the, with the wire and she'd be talking and she, and she smoked. And so she, we like smoking a cigarette and she had, and she used matches. She wasn't one for a lighter and she'd like be, and she would like, and, and she would, she would kill me, but she would like pick her teeth with her, with her matchbook. <laughs> and she'd be like, and she'd have like a glass of Pepsi. Cause she had a bar and like the door between her kitchen and her dining room. So she'd have like a glass of Pepsi on the bar or it would be on the stove or it would be on the cake on the kit. And so she'd be like talking and like sipping her Pepsi. And she always wore red lipstick. So there'd be like a red ring of lipstick on the glass. And she'd be like talking and she always had like a silky robe. And she, so she'd smoke. So she was glamorous. Her hair was always curled and she was very brown and she was small and she, and, oh. And so like, you know, so also just like, so she was the grandmother, but she was young because she got married at 15. So she was like, 
40. So she was like young <laughs> as heck, you know? So, so yeah. So like, I, you know, so she was like this young social worked and she was a grandmother and she was a mother and she was a friend. And so, yeah, like, and, and, you know, and, and, and she and she read and she did crossword puzzles and they went to church and so they were all these they were all these things and 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 they weren't and they weren't separate right they weren't segmented all of these things went into all these things every part of them was integrated and reflected in the house so you had this house that there were like pictures on the wall of women with afros and then there was a bookcase full of books and then there was you know a, a shelf full of albums and a closet full of clothes and you know like and and all the and it was all mixed in so i do think i always had this idea that you were several you're several women at this at the same time you're several things at the same time and i remember very early on kind of beginning to beginning to gather things that I was. I realized I was a writer at nine. I was in class, I was in the fourth grade and the teacher, we were doing a unit and my teacher just happened to be a black woman, another black woman. Um, her name was Miss Baker. And she said, we're gonna write poems. And I was like, okay. And I was a big reader because all the women in my family were readers. And I read early and and I knew poems. I just knew what a poem was like it was, um. Uh, where the sidewalk ends, uh, oh, scene? Yeah. right? So I knew poems, and I, you know, and you know nursery rhymes, and you just know. So she said, write a poem, and I think I just wrote about like outside. It was the seasons, and 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 somehow knew that you wrote about nature in poems. I just knew, <laughs> and so I wrote this poem, and then she said, oh, this has perfect meter and perfect rhyme. Who taught you how to do that? And I was like, nobody. And she said, well, you must just be a natural poet. And I was like, oh, I'm a poet. <laughs> and that was it. And I never questioned it. And I was That's like, awesome. I'm a poet. <laughs> and then I went home and I told, I said, mom, I'm a poet. And she was like, well, all right. Because <laughs> black moms are like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you <know>? you say, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> and, then I, and then we had a young authors conference uh, at, I went to Warrensville. I grew up, I went to Warrensville and, uh, and they did this little conference and my, my daughter, this story cracks her up. So the next I wrote my first chat book in the fifth grade and I wrote these poems and then I wrote and I drew pictures at the top of every poem with the title and I wrote she my my daughter's 14 she thinks this is hilarious so I and somehow I knew that as a black poet I had to write about being black I don't know how oh yes I do because my mom wrote this paper about Nikki Giovanni when I was younger and I had read some of those poems and I knew Nikki Giovanni wrote about being black and then my my aunt had Ntozake Shange on her shelf. So I knew you had to write about being black. So I wrote this poem called The Black Man. I'm in the fifth grade, mind you. <laughs> and I had also watched Eyes on the Prize in my social studies class. So, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna write about the black man. I am 10 <laughs> in the suburbs. <laughs> so I wrote, the, the refrain of this poem is, this is the black man alone in his struggle. I'm 10. My, my daughter literally just laughed in her room because she heard me say it because she, <laughs> she teases me. She teases me about this all the time. She will just say, this is the black man alone in his struggle. But like, I just embraced it. Like I just took it on. So it was just like, I, I, I started, like I began to take on like layers very early. 
And I just like, you know, so I, yeah, so I was like reader, poet, A student by the time I was like 10 and it just started. So we just started collecting, collecting, collecting them. But yeah, but poet was a very, poet was a very early one. I read at my high school graduation, a poem called Greatness that I'm sure my mother has somewhere. It was terrible, but but I but I read it with with all the pride in my seventeen year old heart. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's a it's a very funny story, but it's also a sweet one because it's one of those moments that obviously gave you a ton of confidence and mm-hmm. empowered you to write for the rest of your life. So you can't, you know, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there is there something that you want people to know about your writing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, I, I don't know I think that's a hard I, no, I don't know I, that's okay <laughs> that's not, isn't that a hard one I, I, I think um, I guess uh, or I suppose what what motivates you to write because I think those two are related but Second one's probably a lot easier to answer. <laughs> uh, different things. Um, I am. I'm a big. I'm a huge TV watcher. So if something comes across the screen, I always have been. I'm an '80s child. I was born in '76, so I'm an '80s baby. So um, I watch TV constantly. Um, streaming is like the best thing that ever happened to me. Like. <laughs> Oh my God, Netflix and like Prime and oh my God. Um, so a lot of times thing I will watch docs and TV shows and and things like will make me um write. I'll see something, particularly driving. I love to drive and just look out the window and listen to music. Lines and songs will sometimes the way something is phrased in a song will make me like. I will write the line and then there'll just be something about the line and not, and, and I always try cause I can't steal the words, but there'll be the sentiment of it will inspire me to try to like capture it in another way and take it in another direction. Um, other people's poems make me write a lot. Um, uh, situations uh, when COVID happened, I wrote a poem I thought about if I got sick and died. And so I wrote a poem for my daughter in case that happened. So a lot of times situations will make me um, write a poem. Um, I wrote a poem. Um, I had a nightmare. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I had a nightmare uh, one night and woke up. I had, and, and, and like I wear, and this is just so personal and inappropriate, but whatever. I wear, I only wear black underwire bras and I'm very weird in particular about what kind. And so I end up like wearing these bras over and over and over and hanging on to them. And so what it usually ends up happening is like the, the underwire will pop because it'll just be like, Jesus lady, how many, how long are you going to keep me? And so then I have to surrender the bra and it's very sad. And so like, I was having this nightmare about me and Beyonce being this beauty contest, which is like, she has this video called beauty, 
hurts and it so it was like this video but i was in the video and we were in a beauty contest and we were in the dressing room and we were crying and i was crying because i had lost and she was crying because she had won and then there was a fire which is ridiculous and then i like i was like oh my god i'm breathing i'm choking and then like i was like oh my god my lungs but then it wasn't my lungs it was really my underwire had popped <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, crap, my underwire popped. And then I had to go get my needle and thread. And I only have in my entire house as a 45 year old woman who is a wife and a mother, I only have one needle and one thread and it's black because my underwires pop all the time. And so the only thing that I ever sew is my bras. And I thought about and my daughter, cause she's, I'm pointing cause my daughter's right there and she's laughing because she eavesdrops. <laughs> and she's shameless she's shameless and um anyway um so i and this is during the quarantine and so i'm sewing this bra and i have this one needle and this one thread and i'm thinking about how my mom would be just mortified to know that her grown daughter has one needle and one thread because my mother has this very orderly quilted sewing kit with all of the colors and they're circular and they're in color order. And she has a whole collection of needles in all sizes and lengths. And there is a measuring, you know, the, the, the measuring um, tape and the small scissors and thumb things and all the whole crap. And it's in her closet, which is also very orderly with towels that are folded. And she knows how to fold fitted sheets and all this crap because she was born in the fifties and she's a boomer. And I have one needle and one thread in my bedside stand that don't even that are keeping a ziplock. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that. And then um <laughs> and my husband comes in and he has and there's a pic he has a picture that he found on his phone. And it was a picture of his friend who had passed away. And it's so weird because he passed away during the quarantine from a heart attack, not from COVID. Okay. And he is, um, and he's smiling because it's such a good picture. And, but then he's sad. He starts crying because it's his friend. Sure. And, uh, and I just start to hug him because it's, you know, he hadn't really cried about it. And that moment made me write a poem. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it, 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 you know, it was just, it's, it was, and it literally was that sequence of events. And if you read yeah. the poem, it's literally that sequence of events. And it all hinges on, um, it, it all hinges on the needle and the thread and how, it, and how you, you know, how you have to, you know, in the end, all, we all just end up stitching each other together, you know? And, but it's like, it, it's the, that's the type of thing that lets you know you're a poet because anybody else would just be like, what is this random crap? You know, like what the hell? Yeah. But you know, you're a poet when, when you start with Beyonce and you end up, you know, with the friend and the picture and the hug and you, you know, and, and because the needle and the thread and the bra happen in the middle, you're able to go, ah, that's a poem, you know? And those are those moments that let me know that, yeah, okay, that, yeah, I am, I am a poet. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. So those things motivate me. And when those things happen and I am able to make them into something, that's when I realized that I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
And, and those are the moments that, you know, I'm really um, are so gratifying for me when I am able to marry those weird things <laughs> together uh, and make them into something. Um, yeah, and, and then also I'm a brooder. I'm just a person who just really just thinks about the weirdest crap um, all the time. And so, you know, that also is like, and, and eventually I'll just sit down and start writing like something will pop and then I'll just be like, you know, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Now you, you had done uh, another third collection called Facebook 41. And this was a compilation of Facebook statuses. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's cool because it's not exactly poetry, but it is a poetic project, I think, because yeah. you're taking these emotional cross sections, basically what you just, just described, a snapshot of a moment that is something memorable that you want to hold on to and then assembling them into a collection of things. So how did you needle and thread that, that one together? Um, I realized that I was doing that, that like, I was like, I realized that I was, when I was doing statuses, I was trying to be artful about like intentional about it and like trying to be artful about it. And so I hadn't put, I hadn't done a project in a while I was just kind of writing like one-off poems and I was like looking at all my stuff for that year and I couldn't like pull anything together into a collection or, and I was like, ah, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of like, you know, put something together. And, and, and so I was like, huh. And I don't know how, but I was just like, I just started like going through my Facebook, like just rolling. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can do it if they're, if I have enough to do something with. So I just started going back through, cause this was a while ago, it was like 2017 when I turned 41. And so just as a, I, I wanted to feel like I had, you know, done something artful, like done, like really worked on art that year. And I was like, well, the thing that you really kind of put your back into that year are, was really these Facebook, like you were really on Facebook going hard. <laughs> you didn't do much in the, in the way of poetry, but you were really trying to be like intentional and kind of smart uh, about your social media. And so, I, yes, yeah, so I just kind of went through and I didn't put every status I did for the year, but the ones that I, you know, I could tell, like there were some that I really been really thoughtful about and really intentional about. And so I just put them together. And like, it's funny because when you sent the questions on the uh, earlier, I was like, yeah, I was like, that, that's so funny because I still do that. There are still Facebook statuses. Like the other day, I sat and really thought about for like 15 minutes how I was going to word this status because I wanted it to be. So I did. So there is still that writer in me that thinks about like how this Facebook status is going to sound. Sometimes I just scribble it off. Like I'm just talking crap and trying to be a little bit funny, but, but a lot of the time I will like try to compose it, you know, sure. in italics compose. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> One but hand. that, yeah, that's, that was just like me trying to feel like in 2017 I had, cause Ariel came out in Ariel was 2015 and uh analogs was 2019 2020 2019 and so in between there i was like oh we're not doing anything what are we doing <laughs> and now i'm working on jazz wives and hopefully that will be 2022 nice so what is what is your what is your approach to that collection 
Jazz Wives, uh, uh, Jazz Wives started with, um, I read this article in the New York Times about Nellie Monk and uh, Thelonious Monk's wife. And this was years ago. And, and, and she kept, she always kept, a, she always kept a full-time job so that Thelonious Monk could focus on music and he never had to work a day job. And I thought that that was one of the most romantic gestures I had ever heard of. Like, you know, to work a day job, to work a full-time job. So some, to have somebody work a job so you could just do art for somebody to have that kind of faith in you and, and to make that kind of sacrifice, I just thought was beautiful. So I wrote this and they had met as kids. They met as teenagers and she had come up from Florida and, and met him and they were devoted to each other and they stayed together, you know, until old age and and she did and she devoted you know she did that for him and i just thought it was such a beautiful love story so i wrote this poem about them meeting uh and and how and and how i imagine that meeting must have been something else for her to devote herself to him in that in that way and so that poem every time i read that poem people would always just be like oh it's so such a beautiful poem and it stands out to me as one of the most sort of really pretty poems I ever wrote. And so I was like, oh, this is, you know, maybe the, there's something here. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write another poem from the perspective of a wife. Cause we know, you know, people write poems about jazz greats or, you know, persona poems and just poems about jazz and jazz greats. But what about these women behind these men? She couldn't, she, she, she can't be the only woman who propped up one of these men or helped these men become this man. So then I started to do research. And then the next one I wrote and it got published in, um, oh, I can't remember, but it got, uh, it was, it was published in Sphere Short. It's about, uh, Coltrane's first wife, because everybody knows about Alice, but he had a wife, Naima, I think so. I think that's right. Yep. And it's called the Coltrane substitution, which is something he does with music. And it's like, he leaves a note out. So it's the idea of leaving that note out and how Naima gets left out of his biography because everybody just gets straight to Alice. And so, and so it's, it's about Naima. It's the same thing about how she gets left out, just like that note gets left out when he composes and it's called the Coltrane substitution. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm very so, excited. I can't wait until it's done. And so, and so then I was like, oh, we're on a roll. So, <laughs> so, uh, and so, uh, so then it grew. And so, but then the other thing I decided to also include women who were wives because the complication of being the jazz great and being the wife, because as a person who is an artist and a wife, it, that, that's, that's a complicated thing too. So there's one thing to be the great, the woman behind the great person. And then there's the, the, the complication of trying to carry the greatness, the, the creativity and, and be the wife. So, uh, right now we have, I've already written, uh, Naima Coltrane and, um, Nellie Monk, Betty Davis, uh, who was, uh, who was that great funk afro amazing woman uh and miles david miles davis's first wife um chan chan parker who's charlie parker's wife um sue mingus but i'm I, that's in rewrites that's in heavy rewrites uh, uh 
and I'm drawing blanks. Look at Billy, Billy Holiday. But Billy Holiday is there are these very short one-liners like pow. Like you have you ever seen Neil Brennan three mics? No, no, I haven't. So Neil Neil Brennan three mics, he's a comedian and he and he's doing three forms of comedy on three different mics. And on one mic, he's doing just a, a, a classic bit. On the second mic, he's doing like a story, like telling a story that's a very poignant, bittersweet story about his family. It's funny, but it's very like sad and it's just storytelling. And then on the um, third mic, he's doing one-liners. So the Billie Holidays are one-liners and they're Billie Holidays lessons in love. So they're one-liners, boom, 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 boom. So they're going in between every poem. <laughs> so every poem has got a Billie, Billie Holiday one-liner lesson in love in between. So that's, and then there's a Nina Simone, which is one of my favorite poems that I've ever written in my entire life. And um, is that everybody? I think that's everybody so far. Awesome. But but I've got plans. I've got plans. (laughs) Oh, I've got plans. Uh, And I've, and, and the way that I've been doing that is just like doing, you know, all, all kind of research and watching docs and taking notes and they're persona poems. So they're all written in voices because that's that the challenge of that is trying to, is trying to get into the voice of each woman and, and trying to, you know, get into the head of each woman. And, um, and it's so exciting and I'm so like, and I keep putting it off because, because when I get in, like, I, I, I'm like, okay, let me, I've been like, let me do this work. Let me get this done. Like the year. So like for the year 2021, I was like, let me get all my 2021 done because 2022 is, is jazz wives year. And I'm ready to like dive in. So I, I'm almost done with 2021. I got to finish my Christmas shopping. And then I know exactly, um, because it's, uh, his name is Lee Morgan and that's the next one and lee morgan is helen morgan and she killed him so that poem <laughs> oh that poem is gonna be the one so i'm like i i gotta roll up my sleeve she she literally murdered him and so that's the next one so yeah that 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 one is gonna be yeah i've never <laughs> had to write a poem about a person who killed a person before it's the first time for everything Except for hopefully murder, actual murder. Exactly. <laughs> I think I sound a little bit too happy. <laughs> a little bit too happy. No, um, it's interesting subject matter. This, you know, there's a reason that true true crime is like the top genre of podcasts. You know, <laughs> right? And it's always between spouses. It's always spouses. often not or a coincidence. Related not least. a coincidence. But yeah, um, it, but I think it's there is that like there is that giddiness, right? Of like, when you're about to try to write about something that is so outside of you that you can't imagine and you're gonna try to take it on and you get like really excited because you're like, how am I gonna do this? Mm, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. And the challenge is, it, it's, it's fun to have a unique challenge to work toward. Yeah, I'm like, I have no clue. I have no clue, but I'm like, and it was the, it was like the middle of winter and he walks out of the club into the snow and he just like, you know, dies. And I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've always wondered how good it must have felt to write 
he had it coming for Chicago. Like that, that must've been, or no, the cell block tango. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I just picked out a random. No, I, and, but, and, and I went, and I also, but I, but I, but you know, but you can't, you can't have a preconceived because she lived, she, she somehow never served time. And I'm really interested to know how she felt, you know, what, was she remorseful? Was she vengeful? Like, I'm really interested to know because I, what I, my job is to really, to get inside of what it was, Mm -hmm. not to, not to remake it, but to really try to get inside of what it was and, and to render it. Um, and you know, so it's really, um, it's just really, um, I'm really fascinated to know, like, you know, cause I haven't done any, any research yet. I've just been collecting names and then trying to get like just the preliminary research to know if there's a story there. Um, and also, and I'm also really trying to find people that I've never heard of it and perhaps in the hopes that nobody maybe, or very few people have heard of them. Cause I love to introduce new stories to people um and 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 i also love to to write you know to maybe you know, there's always the hope that you're writing something that maybe nobody has written yet yeah you know cuz cuz you know who hasn't written about miles davis who hasn't written about charlie parker who ha- you know who hasn't written about Nina Simone? so i am hoping to you know to find some 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 you know some figures that people maybe haven't written so much about so that i could you know maybe give people a new idea or a new story a new picture a new feeling um or at least it might be the same old feeling as as they say there's nothing new under the sun but about a new a new person um yeah but i'm excited i'm excited that and hopefully i'll be done by the end of 2022 and 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 getting getting the book into somebody's hands who can get it out into the into the world that's awesome i'm very much looking forward to that collection oh thank you (laughs) All right. Would you like to send us home with another poem? Yes. Since we're talking about marriage, uh, I guess I will uh, (laughs) read this poem. Um, I have very much been thinking about that topic this year because me and my husband will be celebrating our fifth uh, anniversary. It's weird, though. It'll be our fifth wedding anniversary on the 29th of this month, but it'll be our 20th anniversary overall. Because <laughs> we we got married on our fifteenth anniversary, uh, but it's called uh, "What I Have Learned from Marriage So Far." Uh, okay, <clears throat> what I've learned from marriage so far. In marriage, there is no room for doubt. In marriage, there are whole mansions of doubt. Violence has no place in a marriage. Violence is every place in a marriage. In every marriage, there is a gardener and there is a bonsai. There is always someone with their hands dirty. There is always someone feeling potted, clipped, or thirsty. In marriage, you should listen. In marriage, you have to talk. Silence is golden. It can melt and evaporate, but words are tantalum, dark, dense, and damn near impossible to destroy. In marriage, you must always tell the truth In marriage, you cannot always tell the truth. You may be adulterous in your marriage, but you cannot be unfaithful in your marriage. Being there for your partner can mean everything. Being there with your partner can mean nothing. Your heart has to be in it to make it work. Your heart can be in it 
and it still may not work. God must be a man. He gave me this heart. God must be a woman. She gave me this heart. You are going to break your vows eventually. Your vows are going to break you eventually. You have to mean it when you say I do. You cannot know what you mean when you say I do. Marriage is work. Marriage is a game. It is all about who your partner is. It doesn't matter who your partner is. Love can give you life. Love can be the fucking death of you. Love does not have to equal marriage and marriage does not equal love. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank you. All right. Well, this has been Poetry Spotlight, a production of the Ohio Poetry Association. Please follow the OPA on Twitter at Ohio Poetry and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ohio Poetry. A transcript of this episode can be found on the OPA blog. Visit ohiopoetryassociation.org for more information. And Michelle, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. I'm such a nerd. I love to talk about poetry. I could do it every day, all day. So thank you. Pleasure's all mine.